0: Now, some of you uh, are aware of uh, these stories of like the frog in the, in the boiling water. How many of you know that story? Uh, the concept is that if you put a, a frog in room temperature, uh, it'll stay in that pan. And if you slowly turn the heat up, just incrementally, little by little, that frog accommodates for the change in temperature. It, it just goes along with it and, it, and it adapts its body to that temperature, till before it knows it, it's, it's at a boiling point, and that frog stays in the water without jumping out, being boiled to death. And it accommodated the surrounding uh, temperature. Uh, this is exactly what Jesus talked about to the church at Laodicea. He said, I'd rather have you hot or cold. Okay, now that has nothing to do with salvation or not salvation. It's a word picture that he's giving, and he's saying... I'd rather have you hot, which is good to drink, or cold, which is good to drink. But I've tasted your works, and you're what? Lukewarm or room temperature. What's happened to that church is it accommodated its culture. It became the same temperature as its culture. It was no longer... You see, it takes work to stay fervent and hot. It takes work to stay cool and refreshing to the Lord. You can't accommodate the culture or the climate Around you, you have to accommodate the Spirit of God. And so the question to all of us tonight is what are we accommodating? What have we stayed in the in, in, in the furnace so long that we don't even realize we're near a boiling point? I came up with my own illustration and that is there's pee in the pool. How many I'm serious? I mean, how many of you would stay swimming in a pool that everybody peed in? I know this, I had a pool in my backyard for 17 years. I grew up with a pool as well. There's one rule at our house. You don't pee in the pool. (laughs) And just in case, we keep putting chlorine in to kill. Now in a lake, that's another matter. You can pee in the lake. How many of you grew up swimming in Lake Erie, Lake St. Clair, right? Back 100 years ago, you could do this, folks. This is amazing. I can't tell my children that they can go swimming in this lake. It's contaminated now, right? But when we were kids, we'd go swimming in the lake, and, and there was no rule about peeing in the lake. I mean, you can pee in the lake all you want, because it's so big! But if everybody had that mindset, what's gonna happen to the lake? It's bad, you can't swim in it anymore. We've accommodated the pee. I hope you're not offended by the, you know, everybody does that, so I think, figure. <laughs> but what are we accommodating in our pool, in our reservoir, you know, what's going on? and so. Many of us accommodate the culture more than we have conviction over the Lord. So what I wanna share with you is a story um, about Josiah, one of the most wonderful kings uh, that Judah ever knew. And um, so I'd like you to turn to Second Kings 23, if you will. And let's take a look at Josiah accommodating or consecrating. And what we need today is a Josiah church. Um, Maybe what you need in your own household is a Josiah unction. And I, I would say to all of us, and I'm speaking to me most of all tonight, so you just happen to be here in my conversation, but I have to really search my heart to find out what have I been accommodating with uh, people with language, with culture, in my house, in my mind. What am I listening to? What am I accommodating? So, what happened in Israel's history? If you'll take a, uh, I'll take you through this walk on this uh, great story. Uh, later tonight, you could read Second Kings chapter twenty-three. Read the whole chapter. But what I'm going to do is I want to read to you verse twenty-five. Consider this man Josiah, young man, uh, when he took uh, his office as king. And it says this before him, Josiah, there was no king like him who turned to the Lord with all his heart, with all his soul, with all his might, according to all the law of Moses, nor did any like him arise after him. I want to be him. I want to be a Josiah in my culture, in my age, in my time. I am far from that, but I can I can hope for that, can I? What if we all did? What if all of us said, you know what? Let's learn from this tonight. Let's be that guy. Let's be that guy. It's never too late. Some of you are like, I'm 67 years old. I can't." No, it's never too late. It doesn't matter. When you begin to move into the things of God, it's not about time. It's about what's happening right now in the spirit. So you can be someone that you were never before that. In fact, you can do that because there's no one else like you. You're the only you and so no one else can be like you so get on fire and see what color the flames are okay it says that there was no one like him he turned to the lord with what all his heart all his soul all his might according to all the law of moses and what does the shema say that we are to love the lord our god with what all our heart all our might all our strength right all our mind And to obey his commands. So this is the Shema. This is what he did. You see, so we begin the story here. And verse 1. The king sent and all the elders of Judah and Jerusalem were gathered to him. And the king went up to the house of the Lord. And with him all the men of Judah and all the inhabitants of Jerusalem. And the priests and prophets and all the people both great and small. And he read in their hearing all the words of the book of the covenant. That had been found in the house of the Lord that's pretty amazing. They had lost the law. And one of the priests had found it. Helkiah had found the law and brought it to Josiah. Now, according to the law of God, the king is supposed to handwrite his own copy of the law of Moses in his own hand. And so he was to have his own personal copy that he himself wrote. Now that takes time and that takes effort. Josiah was so convicted that he began to have this law read to all of Israel because it was gone. It was lost. Some of the doctrines of the church are lost on on the church today. We've accommodated. I I, I listened to the latest uh, uh, um, interviews of Rob Bell. It's like, what happened to this man? This church leader who denies hell and, and now denies the sanctity of marriage. So he's accommodated the culture. He said, it's time for the church to wake up. We're right around the corner from accepting uh, gay marriage. And it's like, are we going to accommodate that despite the consecration of the word of God? So what Josiah did is he consecrated Israel. He said, everybody come back here, listen to this word, and re-consecrate your life. We've got to stop accommodating and start consecrating. There's a difference here. So... Let's review what he did. In verse 3 it says, And the king stood by the pillar and made a covenant before the Lord to walk after the Lord and to keep his commandments and his testimonies and his statutes with all his heart, all his soul, and to perform the words of this covenant that were written in this book, and all the people, what? Joined in the covenant. The people were looking for a leader to lead them back to the Lord and to consecrate their lives. Because the people accommodate things too easily. And when they don't have a word in their face, they don't have an unction by God, they go astray. We're like water. We go where we easily can. We flow to the easiest thing. It's not easy to serve the Lord, especially in this day and in this age. It's not easy to preach a message of holiness and consecration unto God. Not in this environment. But remember, we're not about this environment. We're about heaven's environment. And if your temperature gauge is not tuned into the temperature of heaven, then something's changing and accommodating to the culture and the age. Now, I'm not going to call out cultural things and this and that. You know, let God do that in your life. I don't need to demonstrate. But what I want you to see is Josiah's conviction. And look at what he did. I give you seven areas that he began to tear down. No longer will we accommodate these things, he said, but we will consecrate ourselves. So in verse 4, it says this is what he did. And the king commanded Hilkiah, the high priest, the priests of the second order and the keepers of the threshold to bring out of the temple of the Lord. To bring out of where? The temple of the Lord. This is on the Temple Mount. This is in Jerusalem. And this is what he's pulling out of the temple of the Lord. Bring this out of the temple of the Lord. All the vessels made for Baal, Asherah, and for all the hosts of heaven. What? Are you kidding me? This is the temple of God. Do you remember when Jesus was a little upset and turned over the money changers and drove out? This is putting the idols to Baal... The astro pole. That basically, an astro pole is like a stripper's pole, if you will, in one sense. And the prostitutes and temple prostitutes are are working out on that pole. And and then the all the idols for the uh, host of heaven. Uh, you know, that's astrology. That's 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 all the stars and the. And and the gods and constellations and all all that's in the temple of the Lord. This is the most sacred place. So where did he start to begin the consecration? In the temple. The house of the Lord in the temple. Now, who is the temple in the New Testament? We are. We are. And there is an inner place in us. There's There's a heart. The battleground's in our heart, isn't it? He says, in my inner man, I delight in the law, Paul says. Now, in our spirit, we delight in the things of God. We're sanctified by that Holy Spirit. In, but I, I have a problem with my members, my body. This is that Adam container. Though I'm born again, I still have my flesh to contend with. And he says that the battle rages in my what? Mind, which is your heart. And so the first place Josiah goes after is our heart, the heart of worship, the heart of who you are in Christ could it be that you and I would have idols in our hearts that need to be cleansed idols to bale the false gods of the Canaanites do we have false gods in our heart do we do we put things and exalt things up in our heart that take the place of the Lord the Ashtoreth pole we'll get into that in just a little bit but it but it's it's a seductive it's it's a it's a spirit that, that's all about fertility and sexuality and so forth, would that be in our heart? Could that be in the hearts of men and women in the church? And when I say the church, I reference the body of Christ, not the large group of people who call themselves Christians. Because unless you're born again, you're not the church. You can go to church. But unless you're born of God's spirit, you're not the church. Okay. So could there be that? Could there be... This idea of luck and fortune, this idea of of, uh, what does my horoscope say, what does luck deal me today, could that be in our hearts when the sovereign God dictates our lives and orders our steps? Could we actually have that kind of idol in our own heart? I don't know. I'm putting it out there. But Josiah said, not me, no way, uh uh-uh, no how, not in my house. I'm the king, and I will not have these idols in the house of the Lord. How many of you will say like Joshua, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And so the first thing Joshua says is he consecrates his heart. He consecrates the heart of Israel, the heart of Judah. He says at the very heart is where the commandments of God are. At the very heart is where the veil is, where the priest is, where the sacrifice is. At the very heart, that thing gets cleansed first. So let's consider that. He goes on then and he says in verse five, And he deposed the priests whom the kings of Judah had ordained to make offerings in the high places at the cities of Judah and around Jerusalem. And they burned incense to Baal, to the sun and moon and constellations and all the hosts of heaven. What? What? You see, they accommodated. This accommodation came from the outer parts of Israel and Judah and accommodated all the way till it made its way right inside the temple of God. The water's boiling now. The frog's dead. Except for a man of God that said, No way. No, it's time to consecrate. I'm believing that there's a consecration coming to the church. I believe that it's not a one man. I believe it's an age, it's a time when God is going to rise up a Josiah group who are going to say, it's time to cleanse the house of God. And we start with our own hearts. And that's what happened. He said, come on, there's these priests, these priests that uh, the kings had ordained. These are the kings before him. To to go to the high places where Judah and Jerusalem, uh, city of our God, to go there and burn incense to the to the sun and to the moon and to all these other gods, right? So, so they're putting these fragrances. These are, these are the influences around Jerusalem. So i got to ask uh, the question, you know, if you were at this time with Josiah, you'd be walking up through the hills of Judah going into Jerusalem and the whole time you'd be smelling incense. What was the fragrance you'd be smelling? The sacrifices under Yahweh? No, you'd be smelling the sacrifice and incense unto Ashtoreth and Baal and Molech. So what's in the air that we're willing to accommodate? What about our influences? Taking the priests of God and having them offer to other gods. What are the influences in your life? What's the aromas that's flowed around your life? What's the aroma in your house? Because come on, you know, you and I know we can dress up pretty for church, but when you get home, you look like you are. And your kids know who you are. You know, we can not look like who we are here, but eventually you look like who you really are. What are your influences? What's the smell? What's the fragrance of you spiritually? What are you burning for? Is it the incense of God or are you burning for something else? Burning to protect your heart, burning to satisfy your own flesh hungers, whatever. I'm I'm purposely not going to set examples out there because it's between you and Jesus. I want you to get the analogies and work them. Does that make sense? All right, I ain't going to chew your food for you. So what are the influences, the atmosphere? What are you listening to? What are you watching? What are you seeing? What are you hearing? Then he goes on in verse 7 and he says this, and he broke down the houses of the male cults prostitutes who were in the house of the Lord. Oh, come on. Not only do you have the idols to Baal, Asherah, and the starry host, but you have male prostitutes in the temple of God committing lewd sexual acts in the temple of God. Something was accommodated too long. Don't you find it interesting that nobody cared? Nobody cared. In fact, the religious community promoted this. Hey, we're ecumenical. (laughs) We're fully ecumenical. We'll take in anybody. We'll offer all gods. We all worship the same God. He has many different faces and many different names. Really? See, a consecration unto God makes your heart beat for Christ and Christ alone. And you can't accommodate something less. He said, you know what, we're done with this. Do you know what one of the major issues of pastors and in ministry is? Sexual perversion. I forget the percentages. I didn't plan to go here into this and and I could give you the charts and the graphs and what the number of percentages of, of spiritual leaders are into, uh, uh, into pornography and so forth. But how many church members are? It's a seductive thing. It's, it's not only an adrenaline-driven um, drug. It works just like drugs, only it's visual stimulation instead of stimulation from a chemical or a pill. And so the addiction's just as strong. But what attaches itself to sexual addictions is a spirit. And it's the Ashtore spirit, the Asherah spirit. By the way, we're entering into a new season. We're entering into a celebration season that the church celebrates. Uh, Can you remember what what the name of that coming up in just a couple of weeks? What's it? Passover, Passover, that's what some of you are saying. What's what's the common, what's most people know this? Easter. Easter, do you know what that word means? Asherah. It comes from this, Asherah, Easter, it's the goddess of fertility, it's spring. Why do you think there's bunnies? Why are bunnies and eggs the emblem of spring? Fertility. And so people are worshiping their fertility gods because why would they do that in the spring? Why would you offer a sacrifice and offering to your fertility gods? harvest. You live by what you grow, so you need a good harvest, so you better offer something to the fertility gods. And so Israel is offering to Asherah, offering to Baal, offering to anybody. An Asherah pole is a carved pole, some of them more ornate than others. They're just a long pole, and basically they're a phallic symbol, but they're carved and uh, they developed into something in the Middle Ages. I don't know if you've ever heard of a maypole. And so people would dance at a maypole, which is all derived back from Asherah, or Easter, Veshtar, uh, which is this problem here in Israel that they accommodated. And, and, and so we're supposed to keep the Feast of the Lord, and we thank God we celebrate Passover, and that Resurrection Day, right, is, is a Feast of the Lord when Jesus rose from the dead. Praise God. Now, he got rid of the prostitutes. I think that that would be necessary to consecrate our lives uh, to the Lord sexually to be whole and pure unto God. Amen? Amen. Now, he goes on. The fourth thing he talks about is in verse 8. And he brought all the priests out of the cities of Judah and defiled the high places where the priests had made offerings from Gibeah to Beersheba. And he broke down the high places of the gates That were at the entrance to the gate of Joshua, the governor of the city, which were on one's left uh, at the gate of the city. Uh, However, the priests in the high places did not come up to the altar of the Lord in Jerusalem, but they ate unleavened bread among their brethren. So he now takes and goes to the high places. These are the elevated places in the mountains around Jerusalem, where because it's higher, they thought they were closer to the heavens. Uh, and demonic powers that uh, hang around there. And so that's where they offered and had altars and shrines to gods. And he said, It's not good enough that I cleanse the heart of the temple and cleanse the, the sound and smells and the, all those things around Judah and Jerusalem, but I'm also going to the parts of the high places known for this activity and I'm rooting it out. I will not accommodate anything of a false god or an enemy even in the most remote areas of my life. That's what you—that's Josiah is saying. How about you and I? Can we consecrate, I don't know, remote, I don't know, your car? What do you do with your car? Where do you go with your car? How do you act in your car? I don't know. Wherever you go, could you offer all things unto the Lord at all times? Is work a high place for you? Do you, do you worship work? Some folks get caught up in their schedules, making money, having uh, authority, having power in place, prestige in their place of work. There's a high place there. Do you understand what I'm saying? Ask God, where is there a remote high, high place in my life that I've got to deal with? Now, verse 10, you're not going to believe this, but they accommodated this as well. The next thing he said, we will not, no longer accommodate He defiled Topheth, which is in the valley of the son of Hinnom, that no one might burn his son or his daughter as an offering to Molech. The people of Israel were offering their children to the god Molech, sacrificing their children. Now, of course, the Christian church in the 21st century would never accommodate The killing of infants. Not in this country. We would never allow such an accommodation to where by convenience we would murder our unborn children. The church could never accommodate something so heinous as that, could we? Killing our children. Now what's interesting is this valley of Tophet, the son of Hinnom, let me, let me give you another Hebrew word for the Valley of Hinnom. It's the Valley of Gehenna. Does anybody recognize that Hebrew word, the Valley of Gehenna? Uh, in, in, yeah, in, in our New Testament, Jesus uses it as a reference to hell, the lake of fire specifically. Why did the Valley of Tophet, or son of Hinnom, or Gehenna, become the illustration and the analogy of hell because it was in that valley that they constructed out of bronze an image, an idol of this, this horse-headed god, this weird-headed god that had his hands out. And it was uh, hollow bronze, and they would stoke a fire inside of it till it became red-hot, and they would place their babies in the hands to see them burn to death. And that is the most accursed thing that Israel could do. The chosen people, the people of God, of whom all of God's promises were given to them, and they rejected them by burning their own children. And he's cursed the valley, and God said, this valley shall forever be cursed. It's right on the outskirts of Jerusalem. And Josiah said, this will never happen again on my watch. Now, we've got to ask Jesus, are there things within us, things about us, things that we're doing that could be to God that heinous? We've got to get on our face. We've got to take the time and say, God, search me and know me. God, show me. Because sometimes we have blind spots. I understand this. And what I want to tell you is this. There is no arriving. Don't think anybody here arrived. And if there's someone here who thinks, no, I got this, I'm good. You're a fool. You've got to put your heart before God circumspectly and ask Him to search your heart and say, oh God, because the closer you get to a holy God, the more you feel His fire and presence. Now he goes on and he says, uh, number six, he says, what else did he get rid of? Verses 12 to 15, the altar's, on the roof of the upper chamber of Ahaz, which the kings of Judah made, the altars that Manasseh had made. He goes on and he says he pulled them down and all this. Then he goes in 13 and he said, the king defiled the high places that were east of Jerusalem to the south of the Mount of Corruption, which Solomon, the king of Israel, had built for Ashtoreth and Chemosh and Milcom. This is Solomon. This is all... And, and Manasseh was a king, and Ahaz was a king. And then he goes on, he says, I have to tear down what Jeroboam, one of the kings, put up in Israel. These are from previous kings. So I have to ask you, are, are there things from previous generations or previous things in your life that you're tolerating? Well, my dad was an alcoholic, and I have that same struggle. Okay, you may have the struggle, but it's time to put that thing away. Don't serve that idol. Don't serve that thing. Well, my dad was harsh. Well, my mom had this attitude, so I guess I do too. Not in Christ you don't. These are idols from past generations, from past issues. Some of you are still bitter. You have bad attitudes. You're really hurting and and wounded from what some pastor did to you, or what church did to you when you were 12, or when someone else hurt you when you were 30. Take those down. They're ruling in your lives. They're they're keeping you from a consecrated life to God. They're an excuse now for bad behavior. So, we've got to get rid of the generational curses and what was before. Some of you sat under some really bad doctrine. And, and, and you've got to clean it out. You've got to ask God, God, what have I put in my soul? What have I believed? And study the word. You believed it because a guy said it, but you didn't read it. Study to show yourself approved. So, so let's do that. Okay, we're on the last one, and I'll be done. Verse 24, he goes on. There's a lot more to read, but uh, verse, I'm consolidating it. Moreover, Josiah put away the mediums, the necromancers, and the household gods, and the idols, and all the abominations that were seen in the land of Judah and in Jerusalem, that he might establish the words of the law that were written in the book that Helkiah, the priest, found in the house of the Lord. So what this speaks to is now everybody's personal properties. And their personal functions, right? I mean, you have a certain barber that you go to, or what do, what do you call a uh, what a women what do you call that women? Hairdresser, Thank you. I'm lost. OK, so you have a certain hairdresser you trust your hair. That's fine. I'm not saying that's idolatrous. I'm not saying that at all. But these guys had favorite mediums. I'm going to go to uh, Oprah. okay, right, certain mediums and and certain sorcerers, and they had their favorites. Hey, it's Tuesday. Hey, I'm going to go see what's on my horoscope today. You see, they had their personal idols in their own house where they were supposed to have the mitzvah where you touch it and you say, uh, you you know, that the Lord, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Uh, And you had blessings. You're supposed to have the word of God in their house. They had idols and mediums. They had favorite witches and and sorcerers that they went to. These are the people of God. Are we doing that? I don't know. Are we? Do you have personal idols? Huh? Are there there people that you look up to more than God? Sometimes in a marriage you look up to your spouse more than you do the Lord. It's dangerous. You'll never be able to give your spouse the love you need to give them if you're looking to them instead of looking to God first. So, I mean, there's all sorts of examples of this, of personal idols, personal personal mediums. Where do you get your fix? What do you do? You you know, if it's not from the Lord, what is your personal idol? Are you smoking it? Are you drinking it? Are you watching it? I don't know. But Josiah said, no, no more. You see, he was a reformer. A reformer calls the people back to a consecrated life to God. And that's what Josiah said. And what Josiah said he was going to do if they would get rid of all these idols and all these things in their lives and live according to the Lord, he said, not under my watch, no more. My conviction is the house, the temple's going to be clean, the heart of it. The surrounding areas are going to be clean. No more incense. I'm going to the high places. I'm tearing them down. I'm tearing it all down. Tearing everything down. He killed uh, priests. He got rid of all the former things that former kings had. He tore down what King Solomon had. Woo, King Solomon. I don't care. Tear it down. But that Solomon... Don't care. It's wrong. Tear it down. When you stand on the word of God, I don't care who the teacher was. I don't care who the guy said or what they did. The word of God says this. Stand bold. And that's what a consecrated heart can do. It won't accommodate anything that violates the consecration. Are you getting this? If you're consecrated, you won't tolerate anything that accommodates something that is against the consecration. And so what did Josiah say? Everybody, celebrate Passover. What? They had forgotten the feast of Passover. And so what he brought them back to was the what? The blood. He brought them back to the blood. He brought them back to their birth as a nation. You shall leave Egypt, I shall be your people, and you sh- I shall be your God, and you shall be my people. He brought them back to the place of consecration where the sacrifice and the blood was applied over the doorpost of their heart, of their life, and God delivered them by the blood. And that's our consecration. We go back to the cross. We go back to the blood. And anything that accommodates something that offends the cross, I cannot accommodate any longer. Oh, I pray, I pray that you get this, and I pray that you will consecrate your heart to God even now. Let us bow our heads and pray. God, help us.